0: I love you. Um, open your Bibles and we'll have it on the screen. Daniel seven thirteen, 13. And um, I just had to say enough. So, we'll, so we could do Daniel 7 for the rest of the time, but we've got to keep moving. So Daniel seven thirteen. 13. Uh, Daniel's having his night vision, his dream on his bed. And he says, I continued watching in the night visions and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven and he approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him and he was given the son of man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people every nation every language should serve him and his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed amen let's stand we we'll just be done for 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 the day um so 2 weeks ago i'm just kidding we're not done Two weeks ago, uh, we covered the bad guys of Daniel seven, and there I have a picture of them—beastly Gentile empires that are hostile to God's covenant people. Okay, like this is the the theme uh, in the scripture and in Daniel. And last week we looked at the judgment of those beasts. The Ancient of Days arrived; a judgment was given, and then we started to cover the kind of the main themes of uh, apocalyptic literature, okay, of uh, biblical and extra-biblical. They're all the same theme. And last week was God's Judgment Day. Okay, in a real courtroom with real books and real um, charges uh, against the enemies of God and against the enemies of Israel. There's a day coming for um, those people, and we're going to finish those themes up today by looking at Israel's trouble, tribulation, trial, whatever word you want to use, and God's intervention to rescue them out of their trouble, right? Time of Jacob's trouble, but they will be rescued out of it, and then the establishment of God's kingdom that will, contrary to all the other Beastly kingdoms. This kingdom will not pass away, but will endure forever and ever and ever. Um, amen. So, the the next theme in the prophetic apocalyptic redemptive literature is Israel's tribulation and their need um, for rescue. So, this shows up in Daniel seven uh, several times. Um, Daniel seven twenty one. The horn is waging war against the holy ones. Okay, and and was prevailing over them, being successful in um oppressing them until the ancient of days arrive. We looked at last week. Daniel seven twenty five. He, this little horn of this uh kingdom, will speak words against the Most High, and he will oppress the holy ones of the Most High. And the holy ones will be handed over to the bad guy. Okay? Bad deal. So that Daniel 7, Daniel 8, uh, 9, 11, and 12 all tell the same story that the holy ones of the Most High, the people of Israel are in trouble, right? They're, they're in trial, in tribulation. And so just like everything in Daniel so far, like nothing's new to Daniel. Daniel's not seeing things and being like, "I've never heard of that before. Never um, seen this before." It's it's been building um, from the very beginning, and and uh, it's important to note when we talk about Israel's trouble, it's kind of a, uh, a two-edged sword. Okay, on one hand, Israel's trouble comes from God's hand. Okay, absolutely, Israel's trouble comes from um, God's hand in order to discipline Israel for their faithlessness to the covenant. God remains faithful to the covenant and he brings generally a foreign army, right, to uh, attack, to um, destroy the city, to bring the people into exile with the hope of of bringing the people to repentance, right? Purifying them uh, so they will turn and walk in their calling. Just like you do with your children, right? Your punishment of your children is not punitive, it's restorative. You want to bring them back, you want to show them the error of their ways. So they will turn. And the reason you do that as fathers and mothers is because our father does that. Right? It, it's, it's just a normal mechanism. So Deuteronomy 28, um, Leviticus 26 too. But Deuteronomy 28 says, if, if you do not, he's laying out the covenant for them, right? At the end of Moses' life, he's reiterating what happened at Sinai. If you do not obey the Lord, all these curses will come and overtake you. Verse 25, you will be defeated before your enemies. You will be oppressed and crushed continually. The Lord will bring you and the king that you appointed to a nation. And there in that nation, you will worship other gods. Where's Daniel right now? In Babylon, What what do they want him to do? Worship other gods, right? He's living, Deuteronomy 28, um, in the 5th century. Verse 37, you will become an object of horror and scorn and ridicule among all the peoples where the Lord will drive you. So this is the testimony among the nations. Well, israels they're not living in the land, right? Either because they're being faithless to the covenant or because their God isn't strong enough to actually bring them in, which plays out later. Uh, so, So that's one side, right? They're in trouble. Because of God. Because of God. On the other side of the sword, Israel's tribulation comes from Satan's hand, right? Genesis 3, the Lord prophesies a feud between the seed of the woman, right? The righteous seed and the seed of the serpent. And then immediately they have children and what happens? Cain murders, right? Cain, the seed of the serpent, murders the seed of the woman. And then for all of Israel's history, up to... 2024 for all of Israel's history, the dragon is trying to devour God's people. And so the point of Israel's trouble is that Israel will always be in trouble, will always be in trouble, either from God's hand or from the enemy's hand, until they're not, okay? They will be in trouble until they're not, okay? And when Israel is in trouble, this is the second theme in, in apocalyptic literature, when they are in trouble, God promises to rescue them. God promises to arrive and fix what's gone wrong. And this theme sort of runs along um, two tracks. Now, I'm not good at Photoshop or anything, but I do have a, a picture here that I think is helpful. Yeah, so God's promise to, to rescue Israel comes along kind of two, two tracks on one side On one track, we have Yahweh, right? God Almighty, the Ancient of Days, who promises to crush Israel's enemies and ride on the clouds to do so. And we'll look at a lot of those scriptures. But then on a mirror track, there's this promise of a son who's going to crush and ride on the clouds to rescue Israel. And all up to Daniel, these themes are going like this. And in Daniel 7, they come together. It's like it's the Ancient of Days riding on clouds, coming to rescue. And then there's one like a son of man coming to do... The same. Okay, so that's what we're going to work through um, that track today. And I hope you leave here just worshiping God and trusting in God for his power um, to save and rescue and fix everything. So the first crushing theme, you guys have heard this nine million times and we'll keep doing it until the Lord comes, uh, is found in Genesis 315. Right. The son who will crush the Lord prophesies and says, I will put hatred between you, the serpent, and and the woman Eve, between your seed and her seed, and he, a singular son, will tread up on your head though you will strike um, his heel. okay so the point is when the serpent uh, when the serpent is crushed by the sun, relief comes what, hap- what went wrong in Genesis three is fixed, and we go back to Genesis one, um, but better so we 've got crushing theme right at the start, and then the cloud theme comes in uh, first in Exodus, so again. You have to watch The Prince of Egypt if you haven't, okay? Watch it. Where's, is Easton here? Easton, did you do a movie night? Come on, man. Tonight, okay, sweet. Easton's like, okay, we're going to watch it on Wednesday. <laughs> so God's, God's rescuing Israel, right? That's the story. That's the Exodus. He's rescuing them um, from a beast empire, right, like Egypt. And as they're leaving, Moses recalls the words that Joseph um, spoke. He said, like, hey, bury my bones You know, in the promised land, as Joseph is saying this, he says, and God will certainly come to your aid. So they're leaving uh, uh, Egypt and Moses is going, I remember what Joseph said. God will certainly come to our aid. And then Exodus 13, um, 21, it says the Lord goes ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day in a pillar of fire to give them light at night. Then Pharaoh's armies are are coming to attack because, you know, Pharaoh's he's got issues Exodus 14 then the pillar of cloud okay the Lord comes between the Egyptian and the Israelite forces and there was a cloud and darkness it lit up the night and neither group came near each other all night long Israel is protected from their enemies by the cloud okay like that's that's the um, image here verse 24 and the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud. He threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. The next thing that happens, the Red Sea parts, Moses grabs the choir, Miriam grabs the tambourine, and the people start to sing that the Lord is a warrior, right? Exodus 15, the Lord's a warrior. Your right hand shattered the enemy. You overthrew your adversaries. You unleashed your burning wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with your faithful love, does anyone read, niv get niv okay so when you read an niv it says loving kindness don't don't read that niv is great outside of how faithful love is covenant love god's being faithful to the covenant when he rescues israel with your faithful love you will lead the people you've redeemed you will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength you will bring them in and you will plant them on the mountain of your possession so god has rescued israel how with cloud, right? With a pillar of, of fire. So, the sign to the people of Israel who are leaving Egypt. It, it was prophesied they'd go into Egypt. It was prophesied they'd be rescued out of Egypt. Now they're doing it. and There's this giant cloud there. The sign to them that Yahweh is with them. That he is faithful to keep his covenant. That he's faithful to save them from their enemies. And bring them into the land that was promised to Abraham in, in Genesis 12. The sign is, is what? a pillar of cloud. That's how, Like, if you were to ask them, how would you know the Lord was with you? And they're like, did you see the, the fire? <laughs> did you see the cloud? That's how we know. Silly. Right? And then he threw them into confusion. Okay? So then later, um, prophets in, in your scripture, Joseph and I, Isaiah, they take the cloud theme right here um, after Sinai and they tie it to the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is a day of a rescue um, for Israel it's a theophany it's an appearing of God that brings judgment and rescue and, and so the Lord speaks to Moses on the mountain Exodus 19 and again when you're especially reading Exodus just imagine you're you're Moses and the Lord is speaking to you and you're all, all of this stuff okay like don't read Exodus as like dry text like Moses is talking to the cloud Talking to the pillar. So he says, I am going to come to you, verse 9, in a dense cloud. For on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Every eye will see him. When morning came, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, a very loud blast from a trumpet so that all the people in the camp shuddered. Verse 18, Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down on it in fire and the whole mountain shook violently. And we need like, uh, who's the big black guy in the sandlot? James Earl Jones to read Exodus to us. Like you just need... I'm not doing Exodus justice, but the whole mountain shook violently and Moses spoke and God answered him in the thunder and the Lord came down on Mount Sinai. So God's presence, like visible, tangible, like physical presence with Israel is lightning and thunder and clouds and earthquakes and trumpet, like it's this big, massive thing. And then Moses picks up this cloud and crushing language and his last words to Israel, okay? So before Moses goes up on the mountain um, to die, which uh, in Jewish calendar was like last week was his death day or whatever. They like celebrate when Moses went up and, and died. He's giving them his kind of last, last sermon, okay? And Joe, I want you to live forever. But Joe's going to have a last address to us sometime, right? Our, you know, our Moses is going to say one last thing to us, and then he'll go be um, with the Lord, and we'll meet you later, man. Um, so imagine, right, Joe, Moses giving our last words here. Deuteronomy 32, Moses' last words. He says, the Lord will indeed vindicate his people. And he's just prophesied that Israel's going to screw everything up, right? But the Lord will indeed vindicate his people. He will have compassion on his servants when he sees that their strength is gone. Daniel 12, when the power of the holy people is shattered, then he will have compassion, then he will vindicate them. And then he says, "I." the Lord says, I bring death and I give life, right? I'm sending you into trouble, I will bring you out of trouble. Uh, I wound and I heal. Verse 41, when I sharpen my flashing sword and my right hand takes hold of judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and the heads of enemy leaders. The Lord is going to vindicate his people by crushing the head of their enemies. Deuteronomy 33, and here comes the cloud. There is none, Moses says, like the God of Israel who rides the heavens to your aid. The clouds in his majesty. How happy are you, Israel, who is like Israel, a people saved by the Lord. He is a shield that protects you, the sword that you boast in, and your enemies will cringe before you. And you, seed of the woman, will tread on their back, seed of the serpent. When God rides on the clouds to save. Does that make sense? We've got the crushing. We've got the cloud riding. And the fruit of this crushing and cloud riding is Israel's salvation. Israel's redemption. Is that me? No, I have a full battery. Okay. Does it make sense? Like... Building to Daniel, right? Uh So this rescue, though, it's been coming through a son in Genesis 3. And then we're like, no, oh, it's Yahweh who's going to ride in the clouds and crush and save. But now we get to the prophets, okay? Uh, David particularly. And it's going to come through a son that Israel's going to be um, rescued. So 2 Samuel 7, verse 10, Nathan prophesying to David, I will designate a place for my people Israel, that they may live there and not be disturbed again that happening? Present? Okay, no. No. Evildoers will not continue to oppress them. Verse 11 I will give you rest from all your enemies, and I will raise up after you, David, your seed, your offspring, your son. I will raise up a descendant, right? A son, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, he will be my son. David, your house and your kingdom and your throne will endure before me forever. Here in Daniel 7 here, the Son of Man came with the clouds and he was given dominion and a kingdom and a throne forever and ever and ever. So the Lord will come to Israel's aid in the midst of their trouble and bring rest from their enemies, but so will a son, right? It's the same track, um, so will the seed of, of the woman, okay? And then we get into the Psalms. And the Psalms uh, really expand on these twin themes. Like we could have read like 150 Psalms this morning, but we'll keep it at four. Four Psalms here. Psalm Psalm 8, real familiar. One, uh, David says, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man, that you care for him? You've crowned him, verse 5, you've crowned the son of man with glory and honor. Daniel 7, the son of man comes into the courtroom and what's given to him? Glory and honor and dominion. Verse 6, you have given him, the son of man, you've given him dominion. You've put all things under his feet. You've given him all things to crush. Verse 7, all the beasts of the field, Daniel 7, whatever passes along the paths of the seas, right? It's the same imagery. The beasts come up out of the sea. The son of man, the Lord has given him dominion to crush their heads and rescue um, Israel, right? So the Son of Man character in Daniel 7, uh, Psalm 8, we'll call him Adam uh, rebooted, Adam 2.0. He will exercise dominion over the beasts, right? He will tame the sea. So imagine you're Daniel, you're laying on your bed, you're having your nightmare uh, vision, like what did they put in my food last night um, kind of deal. And uh, you see the sea, you see the beasts, you see, right? You're seeing all this stuff. And then you see the Son of Man coming. You think Psalm 8 is not like a big, bright, neon sign in Daniel's dream? Like, I've seen this before. I've read this before. Like, I think Daniel's praying Psalm 8 while they're in exile. And he's definitely praying Psalm 8 while he's seeing this vision of the Son of Man and the beast and all all the stuff, right? The Son of Man comes, judges the beast, rescues Israel, and sets up the everlasting kingdom. Psalm 18. Uh, Israel's king is singing, verse 4, that the ropes of death were wrapped around me, the torrents. From the sea, Daniel 7. The torrents of destruction terrified me. And then he does Sinai imagery, right? Because we're just pulling that forward. Verse 7. The earth shook and quaked. The, mountain, uh, the foundations of the mountains trembled. They shook because God burned with anger. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came out from his mouth. Daniel 7. Fire comes out of his throne. And then verse 9. He... The Lord alone who rides on the clouds, right? No one no one rides the clouds but the God of Israel. Deuteronomy 33. He who rides the clouds bent the heavens and came down. The king of Israel's is in the torrents of death, the ropes of death entangled around him and then The Lord bent the heavens, came down, and he rode on a cherub and flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. And dark storm clouds were his canopy around him. His clouds swept onward with hail and blazing coals. He rescued me from my powerful enemy in the day of my calamity. Verse 27. For you rescue You, God alone, who rides the thunderclouds, storm clouds, hail clouds, you rescue and oppress people, but you humble those with haughty eyes. Arrogant beasts who blaspheme the ancient of days, you ride on the clouds, you judge them and humble them. Isaiah 2, the Lord alone will be exalted on that day and every haughty eye will be brought low. Okay, then still Psalm 19, David takes up the crushing language from Deuteronomy 33, where the God of Israel rides the heavens to your aid. He rides the clouds in majesty. Verse 37, he says, I pursue my enemies and I crush them. The king of Israel, when the Lord rides on the clouds, I crush them and they fall beneath my feet. 39, you subdue my adversaries beneath me. I pulverize them like Dust, right? Psalm 1, blown away like chaff. Psalm 2, uh, crushed. uh, Psalm 110, Daniel 2, the statues destroyed. Dust in the wind. I trample them like mud. Verse 43, you've appointed me, the king of Israel, as the head of the nations. Well, what's Daniel 7 say? He was given dominion that those of every people, every language, right, every tongue should serve him. Same guy all the way through verse 47. God subdues people under me. He gives great victories to his king. He shows loyalty to his anointed, to his uh, Messiah, to David and to his descendants forever. Like, it's the same story over and over. Psalm 45. Okay, It's a, a marriage song um, for the king of Israel who would be a son, right? Okay. That's what sons are. But David, in Psalm 45, ascribes godlike features, godlike characteristics to the king of Israel. Okay, so just. Watch how this works. He says, mighty warrior, strap your sword at your side in your majesty and splendor ride triumphantly in the cause of truth and humility and justice. God rides on the clouds to bring rescue and establish justice on the earth. May your right hand show your awe inspiring acts and the peoples fall under you. Well, God crushes the enemies of Israel underfoot. Verse six, your throne We've been talking about the king of Israel, your throne, God, your throne, God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. So the psalm's about Israel's king, right? Even in the inscription, it says a psalm for Israel's king, but the psalmist calls him God, right? Your throne, God, it's forever and ever and ever. And how long does the throne of God slash the king of Israel endure? Well, 2 Samuel 7 says forever. Psalm 45 says forever. Daniel 7 says forever and ever and ever. Its dominion will not be taken away or or ever destroyed. Like, it will endure forever. So David's seeing Daniel 7, the son of man, being given dominion. He's going, that's Psalm 45. I've heard this before. I know how the story ends for me. I know how the story ends for my people. And it's good. Okay? The story for the earth, the way it ends, is good. So when you think about the future, you should have good, positive, wonderful, awesome thoughts. That God arrives, the King of Israel arrives, and fixes everything. Psalm 68, which you should go home and read tonight in entirety by yourself. First one says that God shall arise. Right? Right? Arise, O oh Lord, let your enemies be scattered. His enemies scatter, verse 2. As smoke is blown away, so you blow them away. Like, uh, like Clint Eastwood, right? You know? <laughs> or Carmen, if you're, you know, Satan by the dust. It's for you, Brody. Smoke is blown away, so you blow them away. As Mac? wax melts before the fire so the wicked are destroyed before god but the righteous are glad well yeah right when the wicked are destroyed the righteous rejoice right same thing when when people are rescued like they're rescued out of egypt by a pillar of cloud miriam grabs a tambourine because that's what you do it's just what you do verse four sing to god sing praises to his name exalt him who what Who rides on the clouds, exalt him who rides in the clouds. Verse nine, you revived your inheritance when it languished, right? We were in great trouble and you brought us back to life because I kill and I give life. I wound, I heal. Deuteronomy 33 over and over and over. Verse 20, our God is a God of salvation, right? He saves us out from death and escape from death. Belongs to the Lord, my Lord. Verse 21, surely it's God who crushes the heads of his enemies, the hairy brow of him who goes about in his guilty acts. Verse 30, rebuke the beast, trample underfoot the people who take pleasure in war. Daniel 11, sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth, to him who rides in the ancient highest heavens. God alone rides the clouds. Verse thirty four Ascribe power to God, His Majesty over Israel, His power among the clouds. Am I making sense? This making sense? Okay. I have a panic attack. Not really a panic attack. I shouldn't use that word. I have a little bit of panic every Sunday morning when I'm on my way here, because I'm like, this all made sense to me on Friday. <laughs> Will it still make sense by the time I get I get in here? Psalm 80 that Amanda read to us to start. Listen, shepherd of Israel, you who sit in throne between the cherubim. Who's that? Whose throne is surrounded by angels? Lord, right? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. So listen, shepherd of Israel, shine on Ephraim. On Benjamin, on Manasseh, on your people Israel. Rally your power and come to save us. Return, God of armies. Look down from heaven and see. And then let your hand be with the man at your right hand. Psalm 2, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Your hand with the son of man that you have made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Daniel knows all of this, right? Daniel is well-versed in Israel's scriptures. And so when he sees the Ancient of Days arriving to rescue and one like a son of man coming to rescue and crush on the clouds and being given dominion and glory from all peoples forever and ever and ever, he's going, okay, I've seen this before. These two mirror themes run together all the way up to Daniel 7. And in Daniel 7, they converge. They converge. Only Yahweh rides on the clouds. Only Yahweh can deliver and rescue Israel. But here comes one like the Son of Man. Riding on the clouds to save. Riding on the clouds to cast the beast into the fire. Riding on the clouds to put an end to these temporary beastly kingdoms. And set up an everlasting kingdom that will not pass away. So who's the cloud rider? Well, for Daniel, the cloud rider is God in the flesh. The one like the Son of Man is Yahweh, right? They've they've they they've come together. And this was revealed to Daniel, right? Daniel, like Daniel seven after Daniel seven, um, Jewish and Christian like thinkers and writers and, and and believers, like they're like, yeah, this is this is everything. It was revealed to Daniel and it has been revealed to us. It's been revealed to us. And I just have Couple more texts to show you that. Like last week, Jesus takes these concepts of God coming to crush and, and save, and the Son of Man coming on the clouds, and he applies it all to himself. Okay, the promised Son of Man applies to him, the cloud riding, the persecution of the saints, the slaying of the beast, the dominion, the kingdom, even the resurrection of the dead. Jesus says they all find Paul says about Jesus, they all find their yes in me. Okay? So just one example to show you this. Immediately after, this Matthew 16. Jesus has just promised his disciples that they will endure hardship. They will have trouble. They will have trial. They will carry their cross. They will lose their lives. As soon as he's told them that, he, doesn't just, he never ever just tells them the hard stuff and doesn't hold out hope of what's to come. Okay? He never ever does that. So he gives them this hard word, Matthew 16, and then... To encourage them to stay on the path and be faithful to the end, he hammers home the truth of Daniel 7 to gird them up to face coming difficulty with bravery and courage and steadfastness, okay? Like if you want to not be a coward, right? Revelation, they get, cowards get thrown into the fire. If you want to not be a coward and you want to live your life with bravery and courage, you need Daniel 7 in your guts. This is, because this is what Jesus does. So Matthew 16, he says, just told you how hard things are going to be. But the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of His Father with His angels. And at that time, He will repay each person according to His deeds, right? It's last week. That's Daniel 7. That's the judgment. Verse 28, I tell you this, there are some standing right here who will certainly not experience death while they have a glimpse of the Son of Man coming with His kingdom, right? Because mortals are generally afraid of death in the presence of the Lord, right? Like Moses doesn't swagger up Mount Sinai, like, ooh. He's afraid of dying, right? Aaron doesn't go into the tabernacle like whistling. He goes in fear and trembling because you stand in the presence of the Lord. You die. The, you know, the priests don't saunter into the temple. But Jesus tells these guys, I'm going to give you a glimpse of Daniel 7, right? The Son of Man and the glory and the angels and the clouds and all this stuff. I'm going to give you a glimpse of this. And I'm going to give you a glimpse of Daniel 12. The resurrection and the kingdom. So, after six days, okay? I just told you guys what you're going to see. After six days, Jesus took along Peter and two brothers, James and John, and led them up on a high mountain, like Mount Sinai, when the Lord came down. In verse 2, his appearance was transformed in front of them, and his face shone like the sun. Now, Aaron's blessing in number 6, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, may the Lord make his... So whose face shines on people, right? And now they're on a mountain with the Son of Man. And his face is, is, is shining. Uh, his garments, meanwhile, became white as light. What color are the garments of the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7? White as wool, right? And if that's not enough, right? You're like, you sh- you sh- If that's not enough, right? This is Daniel 7, um, verse 3. Okay, I, I text Stoney in December it was a long time ago. December was like 12 years ago. Uh, it was I was like, hey, I'm reading Matthew 17. This is Daniel 7, man. Like, this is Daniel 12. Like, like, this is the thing. Because what comes next? After this visionary experience of the Son of Man, of God Almighty, coming in his kingdom. What's, what's next in Daniel 7? It's the resurrection of the dead. So, verse 3, we've just seen the man with the angels, with his face, with his clothes, all this stuff. The next thing they see is suddenly Moses and Elijah appear. Right? Because when the Son of Man comes to rescue from tribulation, to judge the wicked, to set up the kingdom, the dead are raised, and then the saints of old gather for a big feast, Isaiah 25, right? For, for the wedding banquet, Matthew eight eleven. Jesus right? many will come from the east and the west to share in the banquet with who? With Abraham, who's been long dead, Isaac, who's been long dead, Jacob, who's been long dead, and they will share the banquet in the kingdom of heaven, Son of man, face shining, transfigured, coming in his kingdom, all this stuff. And then dead guys appear, right? <laughs> like, okay, this is, this is it. Daniel 12, same thing. There will be a time of distress such as never occurred. But at that time, many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life. And then Daniel sees that vision. In verse 13, the Lord speaks to him and says, as for you, Daniel, go on your way to the end. You will rest. You're, you're going to die, Daniel. You're not going to see these things in your lifetime. But then you will stand to receive your allotted inheritance at the end of days. You'll be raised from the dead. You'll come to the banquet to uh, Matthew 25. Same thing when the son of man comes in his glory with all his angels with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne and the king will say, come, you who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom. Amen, Piper. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world and the righteous will go into eternal life. And these disciples are seeing all of this on the mountain. It's like, oh, I can be faithful unto death if this is the future. You know what I mean? OK, Daniel seven it's not a not a myth, right? It's not a it's not a. Uh, uh, made-up hope, we can actually trust in it because I'm looking at the guy. I'm looking at the guy. And if that wasn't enough for Matthew 16 and 17 to be Daniel 7, verse 5, while he was still speaking, suddenly there overshadowed them a cloud, radiant with light, and there came from the cloud a voice, this is my dearly loved son who I am very well pleased. Okay? The Ancient of Days will arrive, the Son of Man will come with the clouds, and those who trust in His death until He comes will be saved. So that's what we'll just go right into the Lord's Supper now. So if I can have Robert help us, and if the deacons could uh, begin passing out the bread and the cup. Um, if you are repentant, if you're putting your trust in Jesus' cross for the forgiveness of your sins, um, you're welcome to take. If, and and uh, if you're not, please don't take. Please let the, the stuff pass. Uh, but we'll all take together.